All right, Jabosai, good morning, good morning. Let us begin. So, first of all, Bruchim Aboim, Limesachis What an incredible, incredible Zuchos to be able to Baruch Hashem yesterday finish Seder Moed, Mesachis Chagiga, and Mersa Hashem today begin Mesachis Yavamis. Seder Nashim. So I'll say, so just by way, by way of fact, I wanted to start a little bit earlier this morning so that Amir Tashem, we would have the time just to be able to delve into a couple of the topics, a little bit of background, both halachically and hashkafically. But I also just mentioned, I sent out on the chat a chart that looks like this, that looks like this. There are hard copies here also, if you want. They're available on the tables. They're going to, you're going to see there's some of the charts. I just took them out of the Art Scroll Gemara. Actually, some of the Chevra showed me that apparently I made the same copies, just bigger, seven and a half years ago, and handed them out as well. But uh, they're going to be for reference material. Again, so you can follow on the... Again, I posted it on the WhatsApp chat or, phys- or physical copy as well. So, so just, just by way... Of, of introduction. So Mesechus Yivamis, as one could imagine, is very much focused on the mitzvah of Yibum. We're going to spend a lot of time focusing on the mechanics of Yibum, but as we're going to see in the beginning of the Mesechus, we're really going to be focusing on circumstances and situations when Yibum is not applicable. Remember, the, here's the simple case of Yibum. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Reuven passes away without children. There is a mitzvah upon Shimon, the surviving brother, to marry his widowed sister-in-law. What's unique about this mitzvah? What's unique about this mitzvah is that under normal circumstances, Ishes Ach, a brother's wife, is one of the arayos, is one of the illicit relationships. And therefore, halacha lamaisa would normally be prohibited. So something that under normal circumstances is prohibited becomes an active mitzvah. So, we'll say, so remember, just to contrast, well, again, we'll, we'll contrast as we get in. So th- we're, going, we're going to start the Masechda with a discussion regarding circumstances in which Yibum can't occur, which of course is always interesting, right? We don't really begin with the mechanics, ultimately, again, of when Yibum can occur, but the specific circumstances when one would not be permitted to go ahead and perform Yibum. I saw something beautiful. There is a sefer called Mitzutze Hashas. Um, a couple of really beautiful sfarim. I don't know if that they're new. They're new for me. So that I, that I picked up yesterday. See, in the sefer Mitzutze Hashas, he asks a simple question, just by way kind of, of hakdama, framing, of framing the Masechta. See, he says as follows. He says, Lama trilas seder nashim hiba mesechti yivamis. Why does seder nashim? Remember again, seder nashim is going to speak about a lot of the topics that govern halachos concerning women, that govern marriage. So why does seder nashim begin with yivamis? In fact, again, if you think about this in just a moment, so the Rambam says really seder nashim should have begun with mesechta with meseches ksuvis. But the truth is, he posits, the Mechavir posits, no. Seder Nashim should begin with what? Should begin with what? Kiddushin, right? If maybe you can go from Kiddushin to Ksuvas, or from Ksuvas to Kiddushin, and then ultimately, again, Gittin, Yevamis. There, there, there could be different, different orders that you go ahead and you do for the Mesechtas. But it's strange to start Seder Nashim with Mesechtas Yevamis, right? First of all, Yevamis is a relationship that is triggered by death. And remember again, Yavamis is a very specific circumstance where a man's dying without children. Why begin with Masechus Yavamis? And he says something absolutely amazing. He quotes over here. He quotes over here. Ulefian Iskal Yeshlomar, Dimishim Kivodo Shal David Hamelech Halava Shalom. The Asa, the Asi, Mehanech Treyevumi. So we'll say he goes on and he explains. Remember, the codifier of the Mishnayis was Rabbi Huda Hanasi. Right, Rabbi Huda Hanasi was a great, 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 great grandson of, direct descendant of David HaMelech. And out of deference, out of covered to his altar Zedah, Rabbi Huda Hanasi began Seder Nashim with Meseches Yivamis. Why? Because David HaMelech himself is the result of two Yibum relationships. What are the two Yibum relationships that David HaMelech is a result of? Yibum Tamar al Yede Yehuda, the Yibum Rus al Yede Boaz. Now the truth is, we're going to discuss 
These are not technical yibum relationships, right? They're 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 kind of yibum relationships in that they're situations where someone was widowed and died without sorry, someone was widowed without children, and someone else married that person in an effort to, and that married that widow in an effort to establish offspring for the deceased husband. So remember again, Yehuda ultimately ends up marrying Tamar, but Yehuda is the father-in-law, not the brother-in-law, right? Remember, Boaz marries Rus. But remember, Boaz, Boaz is more like a distant cousin than he is, than he is a brother-in-law. But nevertheless, Nitzitzi Hashas posits, and it's so beautiful, that Rabbi Huda Hanasi recognized that he was only in existence. David HaMelech only existed, and therefore by extension, Rabbi Huda Hanasi only existed because of two Yibum-like relationships. And because of those two Yibum-like relationships, Pasach Rabbeinu HaKadosh Da'asimine Seder Zeh, and by the way, it's also interesting because remember the name of the Mesechta is Yevamas, which is plural, as opposed to Mesechta's Yibum. Right? It's Yevamas, which is plural. So ultimately, again, the Netzutze Shas posits that it's a nod. It's Rabbi Huda Hanasi nodding to his Alter Zeda and recognizing that he is only the result of these two Yibum relationships. Umehem, listen to this, he goes, he goes on, he says, Shemehem badavna melech, Umehem asher titzmach nami gulasenu, Upedus nafshinu babias meshach tzidkenu, Semach shmo davr ba'atzmo, Bo'alino tovu. Both listen to this. So it's fascinating. So therefore, Yehuda Nasi, the codifier of the Mishnayis, decides to begin Seder Nashim with Mesechas Yevamis, ultimately recognizing that he, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, only exists David HaMelech only existed because of Yibum-like relationships. And I will say, if you think about that for just a moment, then we'll get started with the Mishnah. But if you think about that for a moment, it's really incredibly dramatic. Because the entire concept of Mashiach comes from Yibum. And if you think about Yibum on a, on a deeper, almost hashkafic level, what Yibum really represents is the ability to bring Geula from Sarah. There's a tragic loss. A man is dying, a man has died without children. A traumatic loss on so many different levels. A loss for his wife, a loss for the opportunity for future generations. And then what does Yibom represent? Yibom represents salvation. Yibom represents Yeshua. Lahakim Shem Lazara Abba was going to see. We, we, we tried to perpetuate the memory of the deceased brother. Yibom represents the ability to pull salvation out of suffering. That's what Yibum represents. And I will say, that's how we begin Seder Nashim. That's how Rabbi Yehuda wanted, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi wanted to begin Seder Nashim. With this strong motif, this strong idea. You only have a David HaMelech, and therefore by extension, you only have a Mashiach because of Yibum. And that's the metaphor of the Mesechta. That's the metaphor for life. To try to always bring salvation from suffering. So we'll say with that, let us begin. So here we go. We'll say, we're going to get a little bit technical for a little bit of time. I will say, here's what I want you to do as we prepare for Mesechus Yibamas. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Maybe pour a little something into the coffee. Right? Take a deep breath. And I will say, just open your mind and just follow along the steps. We're going to see there's actually nothing here that's complicated. It's just sometimes gets intricate. And with intricate things, the problem becomes when I miss a step along the way, we're going to see if you miss one step, kind of what ends up happening is you get lost for some amount of time. So as long as we'll, we'll take it slow, and as long as we're, we're together with the steps, we're going to be absolutely fine. Says the Mishnah Bosai, Mazel Tov, Mazel Tov, Yivamas, we're so excited to be with you, Amir Sashem. Incredible, incredible. Chamesh Esrei Noshim Potros Tsarosehen Vitsaros Tsarosehen. Fifteen women exempt their co-wives and their co-wives' co-wives. You're already thinking, oh God, right? So let's say, so now watch this. So take a look at the sheet that I just gave you, because let's just talk about, oh, thank you. Let's say we thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adir Beis. Thank you for the reminder to thank Leah Soul for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drashos this month in honor of all those who organized the groundbreaking, and Baruch Hashem, those who devote themselves to the Shul. We thank Leah for her incredible generosity. And I will say with that, let's come back. So remember, so the Mishnah says, 15 women exempt their tsaros, their co-wives, and their co-wives' co-wives from Yibam. Let me tell you one other piece of information before we delve into this. So I will say, 
Let me, let me just paint for you a very simple scenario. Very simple scenario. Actually, let's take a look. Let's say, see on the sheet that I gave you? Look at, look at table A, right? Table A. So we'll say, so this is Tsaras Tsara. So here we go. So says the we'll say, so take a look at this. You've got three brothers, three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, okay? We'll say, see where I am, table A? Again, if you're following on the WhatsApp, I did not, I did not label them, but on the WhatsApp group, this is the upper left table. So now watch this. Three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven has two wives, Rachel and Leah. Good with me so far? Good, Rachel and Leah. Now I both say, to kind of what, what makes this case a little bit complicated is Reuven's first wife also happens to be his niece, right? So Reuven married Shimon's daughter, okay? So Reuven's two wives, Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah, now, Rachel and Leah are what we call Soros, Co-wives, there's a reason why the halacha calls co-wives saros, right? It's because it never works out, right? Never, ever works out. It's by definition an antagonistic relationship. So we have Rachel and Leah, the co-wives of Ruvain. Now remember, or the co-wives of each other. But Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Okay, so therefore again, Ruvain married his niece, Rachel Shimon's daughter. Then I will say, now, now what happens afterwards? What happens afterwards? So now Ruvain dies. Ruvain dies. And I will say, so now what ends up happening is that we're going to discuss, interestingly enough, what occurs when there's Yibam with multiple brothers, who's obligated to do it? Okay. Now I will say, what happens in this case is something very interesting. Remember, when Ruvain dies, Shimon certainly can't, Shimon can't do Yibam. Now remember, when you look at this, who can't Shimon do Yibam with? Right? Rachel. Why? Why? Rachel is his daughter. So, say, so the first halakha of Yibam we're going to see is once you can't do Yibam with one of the wives, that precludes you from doing Yibam with any of the wives. So as far as Shimon is concerned, he's out of the Yibam picture. He's out of the Yibam picture. Because once Shimon can't do Yibam with Rachel, by definition, he can't do Yibam with Leah as well. Okay? So if I both say, Shimon's out. Shimon's out. And Shimon's out for both wives. So what ends up happening? Levi, so I both say, so now, if you go ahead and you go to the second box in table A, the second box down. So now remember again, Levi, right? Levi was also married beforehand, before Reuven passed away. Right? So Levi has his own wife, Miriam. Now what ends up happening is Levi ends up marrying, Levi ends up marrying, doing Yibam with Leah. The boss say we're going to see that in a Yibam situation where let's say in this case, Reuven was married to two women. Yibam does not mean the taking of both wives, of both widows. Yibam means the taking of one of the widows. So in this case, Reuven passed away. Shimon can't do Yibam because remember again, one of Reuven's wives is Shimon's daughter. So therefore, again, Shimon is out because, again, remember, once he can't do Yibam with one wife, he can't do Yibam with either of the wives. Okay, so go down, go down on table A to box number two, second box in the middle, or second section in the box, I should say. Levi does Yibam, right? Levi, the surviving brother, ends up going ahead and doing Yibam. He marries Leah. So now Levi has two wives, right? Miriam, who he was married to before, and Leah, his Yibam wife. Good. So far, so good. Go to the last piece now in table number A. We'll say now what ends up happening? Levi dies. Levi dies. So we'll say so. Just 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 so we just so we go ahead and we get our terms straight. In the top in the top box of table A, Rachel and Leah are co-wives, right? Rachel and Leah are co-wives. In box number in, in section number two, remember again, Rachel kind of falls off the map because Levi ends up doing Yibum with Leah. Okay? So now Leah and Miriam become co-wives. Right? What we call Tsaros. Okay? Both say now the bottom section in table number A. Now what ends up happening? Levi dies. So both say, so now something very interesting occurs here, which is what? Levi dies. There's only one brother left for Yibum. Who's the brother who's left for Yibum? Shimon. So I will say, what now we're going to see, this is the case of a Tsaras Tsara co-wife. We're going to see, I will say, Shimon is unable to do Yibum. Now you look at this chart and you say to yourself, why is Shimon unable to do Yibum? I will say, are either Leah or Miriam related to Shimon? No. no. Why can't Shimon do Yibum? I will say, because remember, Miriam and Leah, 
more I should say, Mir- Miriam really, is what we call a tsaras tsaraso, the co-wife of a co-wife. Miriam is the co-wife of Leah, who was the tsara, the co-wife of Rachel, who was the daughter of, or who is the daughter of Shimon. And therefore, I will say what we're going to see essentially is the same way, the same way that essentially Shimon obviously can't do Yibam with his daughter. He can't do Yibam with Tzara, the co-wife of his daughter. And essentially we're going to see is he can't go ahead and do Yibam with anyone who becomes the co-wife of the co-wife of his daughter. That's called the Tzara Tzara. So we'll say, see, when you begin to distill it, it's, it's, it's not complicated. It's just a lot of steps. That's the case of Tzara's Saraso, good. So I will say, so now, that's, so let's go back to the Mishnah now. So I will say, so now, what the Mishnah begins with, and it's really fascinating how Masechus Yavamus begins, is we don't begin with how to do Yibum, or we don't do when, or we don't begin with the discussion of when Yibum applies. We begin with the 15 circumstances when Yibum does not apply. So in other words, if any one of these women is married to a man's, or was married to a man's now deceased brother, the nature of the relationship precludes Yibum from occurring. So let's go through the list. Some of them we'll delve into. Some of them we'll just mention. Obviously, these are all going to be dissected in the Gemara, in, in, in the, in the, in the Dap Mehe. So we'll say, here we go. So, Chamesh Esrein Nashim Potros, Tzaros Sehen, Vitzaros, Tzaros Sehen, Chalitza, Mina Yibum. So also we're going to see there are 15 women who because of their nature of their relationship to the surviving brother, themselves can't do Yibum, or I, would say, I should say the brother, the surviving brother can't do Yibum with them. And by definition, I will say what, we've been, what we've seen is once a woman is precluded from Yibum, she also exempts her co-wives, Saros, and co-wives, co-wives, that's the case we just saw on table A, from Yibum as well. Who are these? I will say there's also Chalitza. Chalitza we'll talk about again in depth. Chalitza is the process where if either the surviving brother or the widow does not want to enter into a marriage, does not want to enter into a Yibo marriage, there's a concept called chalitza, which literally means the removal, which is the way that they go ahead and they sever the Yibum bond between them. Again, we'll get into that. Who are these women? Rabbi say, here we go. Ve'eluheim, Pito, one's daughter. So Rabbi say, this, this is like the easiest case. Now Rashi actually points out, this refers to a daughter that a man had out of wedlock that a man had out of marriage. You'll see why when we get to the Gemara that we dafka frame it in that way. Shabbat say, so this, this is like the simplest case. Remember, this is pretty much the case, this is pretty much the case that you see over here in table A, right? That's this case, where again, Reuven is married to Rachel and Leah, Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Obviously, again, when Reuven dies, so Ru- Shimon can't do Yibam with his daughter because he can't do Yibam with his daughter. Therefore, he also can't do Yibam with her co-wife. And even when, let's say, Leah, the co-wife, ends up marrying Levi, Levi now has his own wife, Miriam. Ultimately, when Levi dies, Shimon can't do Yibam with Miriam either because she is the Tsaras Tsaras of the co-wife, the co-wife of the co-wife, the co-wife of Leah, who was the co-wife to Miriam, who was the daughter, sorry, the, sorry, the co-wife of Miriam was the co-wife of Leah, who was the co-wife to Rachel, who was the daughter of Shimon. It's like Chagadja, right? It's like marital Chagadja. So say, so therefore again, that's the case of Bito. Bas Bito, the same thing would be Rabosai if what? If let's say, and again, the easiest thing just to focus on over here is, is table, no, it's table A, right? So imagine for a moment if Ruvain, if Ruvain wasn't Matt, if Rachel wasn't Shimon's daughter, but was Shimon's granddaughter. It's the same issue, I both say. Essentially, remember again, what we're seeing over here is any time, any time your sister-in-law is an erva to you, is someone you would not be permitted to marry. And I both say, again, I want to be clear, you're never allowed to marry your sister-in-law. What we're talking about over here is halacha lamaisa, there's another erva identity upon your, your widowed sister-in-law. So again, if your brother married your daughter, if your brother married your granddaughter, right? Bito, bas bito, bas bino, your brother married the daughter of your son. This is, and again, bas bito is your granddaughter from your daughter. Bas bino is your granddaughter from your son. Bas ishto is the daughter of your wife. 
the daughter of your wife. They both say, we're going to see this case of Basishto could manifest itself in one of two ways. It could either be just a, right, her daughter from a previous marriage or your daughter from a marital relationship. But it's called Bas Ishto. Bas Bina, the daughter of your wife's son. Right? So this is your, this is your granddaughter from your wife's son. Bas Bita, your wife's daughter's daughter. Chamoso. So, so again, all these cases, it's the same theme. In all of these situations, halacha you can't marry any of these people. They're an erva. Therefore, but your brother can. Your brother can, right? Both say, your brother can marry your daughter. Your brother could marry your granddaughter. Your brother could marry your wife's daughter. All of these relationships are permitted to your brother. The problem is, if the brother dies without children, all of these women now fall before me for yibum. And I can't do yibum. Both say, I want to point out something amazing. Just understand, as I mentioned in the Hakdama, Yibum itself permits a forbidden relationship. But Yibum only permits one type of forbidden relationship, right? It only, it only negates or only lifts or only suspends one type of erva. But if there's another overlaying erva to this relationship, Yibum doesn't help. And therefore, I can say that's all of these cases. So all of these situations, the marriage to my brother was a sanctioned marriage. Now we have a problem because I can't do yibum with these women. Once I can't do yibum with these women, then the Mishnah says, Halakha then what? Then not only is, is the woman exempt from yibum, her co-wife is exempt from yibum. And again, as we saw, the tsaras saraso. Even should she marry another one of the different brothers, ultimately the co-wife of the co-wife is also exempt from yibum. Let's continue going through the list. Chamoso, your mother-in-law. They will say, this is an interesting case. Right, what's the case of Chamoso? Right, the case of Chamoso is, let's say, my mother-in-law is widowed, right? And what happens? So, right, what happens? My mother, so we'll, we'll discuss exactly, right? So I will say, no, remember again, Yibum is not a din in the childlessness of the woman. It's a din in the childlessness of the man, the deceased brother. So in this case over here, right, mother-in-law became widowed. So father-in-law, we'll just call him Ruvain. Ruvain's father-in-law passes away, right? His mother-in-law is single now, obviously. His mother-in-law marries Shimon, his brother. I don't know, you know, whatever, right? So right, your brother-in-law married, we'll say, there's going to be like a lot of these cases where you scratch your head and you say, huh? Right? Just leave it, just leave it alone, right? Let, let, it, let it be like, like we learned, like in Chagiga, there are certain things you're not supposed to ask about, you know, malifnim, malachar, malamala, malamata. Don't ask, don't ask, just go with it. Hey, so we'll say, so ultimately in this case, Shimon, Shimon marries, Shimon marries his brother's mother-in-law. Permitted relationship? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Shimon marries Ruvain's brother-in-law. Fine. Now Shimon passes away. Shimon without children. Shimon without children. Obviously, the mother-in-law has children, of course. Right? Shimon passes away without children. So now, of course, Ruvain has a yibum situation with his mother-in-law. Well, the mother-in-law is an erva. A mother-in-law is an erva. And therefore, again, I will say, it's all, that's what I'm saying. It's all this, it's the dynamic, the mechanics are all the same. We're just filling in, there's just 15 different women that happen to fall into this type of category. Chamoso, Aim Chamoso, another interesting one. Let's say, let's say Shimon, the brother, marries Ruvain's mother-in-law's mother. So in other words, that Ruvain has a grandmother-in-law who is available, right? She's widowed, she's widowed. And now what happens? Ruvain's brother, Shimon, marries this woman. So once again, my mother-in-law's mother is also an erva. So all, all the same cases. Im Chamav, or my father-in-law's mother. Achoso me'imo. They both say, these cases actually get very interesting. So achoso me'imo means a, a, a maternal sister. Well, say, if you take a look on the sheet again, let me just show you this because this is, again, as you can see, I'm not going through, I'm not going through the graphs on every single case, but certain cases which, which give us certain important yisodos we should have. So take a look at the table. It's, I labeled it on the sheet B, achos me'imo. Achos me'imo. So we'll say, so just, so you see how this case works over here. So, so here, we'll say, so look on the top, look on the top of the chart. So let's, let's start from the right side going left, right? So on the right side, you've got father and mother, right? Father and mother. So ultimately, again, father and mother have a son, Ruvain, okay? Go to now the extreme left, go to the extreme left. 
father and mother have a son, have a daughter, Sarah, Sarah. Okay, so both say, so now what happens? Both fathers and mothers get divorced, right? So right-hand father and mother get divorced, left-hand father and mother get divorced, and the new marriage is the middle mother and father. Middle mother and father now get married, Baruch Hashem, and they have a son, Shimon. So we'll say, now when we look at a little bit of this challenge over here, so remember again, something fascinating happens. Are Sarah and Ruvain related? Not yet. Right? Not at all. They're not related. To be clear, they're not related at all. Sarah and Ruvain are not related at all from a halachic sense. So what ends up happening? Sarah and Ruvain get married. Sarah and Ruvain get married. So Shimon, so Shimon, right? Shimon knows everyone at the Chasana, right? Why? Right? Why? Because they're either coming from his half-brother's side or from his half-sister's side, right? That, that's the whole Chasana, right? So Shimon's half-brother marries his half-sister. And I both say, again, sounds strange, but to be clear, 1,000% permitted. Because remember, Sarah and Ruvain are not related. They're not related at all. Bosa, I'm sorry. I, I see I did not make enough copies of the sheets. I, I apologize. Oh, there should be a couple. But I did send it out on the chat. It's on the WhatsApp chat. So I will say, so, so again, so now, so just so you see what happened over here. Is so Surah and Ruven get married, totally permitted. Totally permitted. So what happens? I will say now, unfortunately, Ruven passes away. And Ruven passes away without children. So I will say, what do you have a situation over here? of Shimon having a Yibum situation with his maternal sister. So I will say what you begin to see over here is that a maternal sister is an Arab. That's the point the Mishnah is making over here. But so we're going to see, by the way, something very interesting happens. Yibum is actually only with a paternal brother. If you just have a maternal brother, there is no mitzvah of Yibam, which we'll discuss. So Yibam only applies with a paternal brother. So, but, in this, but yet, but yet, a maternal sister, a maternal sister is an erva as well. So I'll say that's the case ultimately again of achoso meimo, maternal sister, achos imo, and I will say one's mother's sister. So this is another very interesting case over here. But I will say if you look at the next table down, see, and this will be the last table, actually we'll focus on one more after this. Achos imo, I will say is, take a look over here. You've got, just to show you how this works, right? You've got, you've got Yaakov and Chana, right? Yaakov has two wives, Chana and Rachel. So Yaakov and Chana have a son, Shimon. And ultimately, again, their other son, Ruvain, marries Chana's sister. Now remember, that's okay, because at the end of the day, Ruvain is the product of Yaakov and Rachel. Chana is not his mother. Because Chana is not his mother, therefore Chana's sister will say, normally one's aunt is an erva. Right, your mother's sister is an erva. So Ruvain is allowed to marry Chana's sister because Chana is not his mother. Rachel is his mother. I will say that's the that so that's where you see it. So, right, so remember, Yaakov has two wives, and with each of his wives he has a different son. With Chana he has Shimon, with Rachel he has Ruvain. Ruvain marries Chana's sister. Totally fine, because Chana's not Ruvain's mother. Therefore, there's no erva. What happens? Ruvain dies. Ruvain dies. Now remember, Ruvain is Shimon's paternal brother, which means now that Shimon has a Yibum situation with his mother's sister, right? His maternal aunt. That's Achos Imo. That's Achos Imo. Next, Achos Ishto, or one's wife's sister. So again, I both say, these are all different circumstances where these women are falling to the surviving brother in a Yibum context. Ultimately, again, you can't do Yibum with these women because Halacha Lameisa... Because, I'm sorry. Oh, I don't know. There's no video on Zoom or on YouTube. Okay, good. I'll leave this. All right, so I'll say, so therefore, again, halach halamaisa, in all of these situations, in all of these situations, ultimately, again, Yibum is going to be prohibited. So we'll say, let's go right there. So the Gemara says, Va'achos imo, va'achos ishto, ve'eshes achiv. Similarly, again, on the, on the wife of one's brother, eishes achiv, the wife of one's brother. So ve'eshes achiv me'imo. Now we'll say, this is actually interesting. This is a, a maternal brother's wife. A maternal brother's wife. So Aishas Achiv Miimo Ahmed Bezer both say. So again, we're gonna see some of these cases a little bit more in depth. Ve'eshes Achiv, 
Shalohaya Ba'ulamo. And I will say, this is another fascinating case. Eishes Achiv Shalohaya Ba'ulamo is the case of the case of a brother's wife when the brother was not in this world. Now, this is really fascinating. Let's first take a look at Rashi. Take a look at Rashi. And Rashi says as follows. So I'll say, so literally translated it means, we're talking about, we're going to see, where the surviving brother was not alive at the time, at the same time that the deceased brother was alive. Two brothers who were not alive at the same time. So I'll say, take a look at Rashi. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, Ruvain Shemes Belobanim. Here's the case. Ruvain died without sons. I'm taking a look at Rashi. Vinolag lo ach la achar misa. So we'll say, here's the fascinating case, right? So Ruvain, Ruvain ultimately goes ahead and Ruvain, I'm sorry. Ruvain, Ruvain passes away. Ruvain passes away. And after Ruvain passes away, Ruvain's mother has another son. Right? So, therefore, right? so therefore, again, Reuven has another brother, Shimon. But Shimon was born after Reuven's death. After Reuven's death. So, Kigon Shim, Reuven lays below Banim. Reuven dies without children. And ultimately, again, another brother is born to his mother after Reuven dies. So let, let's just illustrate this family tree just a little bit. Right? So you've got, you've got Yaakov, you've got Yaakov and Leah. Yaakov and Leah have a son, Ruvain. Ruvain marries, Ruvain marries, and ultimately goes ahead and passes away without having children. After Ruvain passes away, Yaakov and Leah have another son by the name of Shimon. Right? They name him Shimon. So Shimon is born after Ruvain has already passed away. So Shimon and Ruvain never lived, so to speak, in the world at the same time. Rashi says, Ushma Levi, Va'amad Shimon, now what happens? So what happens? Right? So just to illustrate this over here, if you take a look at at at, at, at table D, so we'll say in table D you'll see one of the final situations over here. So here, you have a following situation. So remember, again, really, it's the same, really, the principle without even getting into the table, the principle is a simple one. The mitzvah of Yibam only applies to a paternal brother who was alive at the same time that the now deceased brother was alive. But again, if let's say there are three brothers, right? if, you, if there are three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven and Shimon were alive at the same time, right? Levi was not. Levi, I'm sorry, I'm switching around the names a little bit. Levi was born afterwards. Right? So, we'll say, so now Reuven passes away. Let's say again, Shimon marries, Shimon goes ahead and does Yibum. Ultimately, again, if Shimon were to pass away, Levi can't do Yibum with any of these wives. Why not? Because Halacha Lamaisa, Levi was never alive at the time of Ruvain's initial marriage. So because of that, Halacha Lamaisa, Yibum becomes prohibited. That's what's called Eishes Ach Shalohaya Ba'olamo. A brother's wife who was not alive at the time, or I should say not a brother's wife, a brother who was not alive at the time of his now deceased brother's original marriage. Good. We'll say we'll see. So again, if you look at the table in letter D, if you look in the table in letter D, so again, whatever, actually, let, let's go back there. You could see it. Again, we'll, we'll delve into the intricacies. Sometimes it's hard to delve into the intricacies of these cases now, but Amir Tashem will see it. So the Gemara goes back there. Vikalaso. And ultimately, again, one's daughter in law. So I will say, so this is another interesting case. If you look at Rashi, Kalaso is Shemei Spino. I will say, here's the case, right? Where let's say a person's son is married, but then the son passes away. The son passes away. And I will say, what ends up happening? What ends up happening? Halacha Lamaisa, the man has a son, son passes away. Now, what happens is the daughter-in-law ends up marrying the man's brother. Let's, let's give names, right? Reuben, Reuben has a son, right? Well, let's call you this. Yaakov has a son, right? Yaakov's son is Reuben. 
right? Yaakov's son is Ruvain. What ends up happening? So Ruvain ends up getting married, right? Ruvain, Ruvain gets married and Ruvain passes away. Now what happens is, is that, actually, no, I should have illustrated it, well, whatever, right? So then what ends up happening? So right, Yaakov's son Ruvain gets married and now Ruvain, Ruvain passes away. So Yaakov's daughter-in-law, Yaakov's daughter-in-law, now marries Ruvain's brother. Permitted relationship? Absolutely. The problem is now that when Yaakov's brother passes away, so Yaakov's daughter-in-law falls to him in Yibo. And of course, that is going to be problematic. So both say, that's the case of Kalosso, the case of daughter-in-law. So both say, Hari Elu Potros Sarosehen Vitsaros Sarosehen Menachalitza Omenayim. So both say, this is the exhaustive list of the 15 women who themselves are exempt from Yibum. So again, I will say there are three pieces over here. The first stage of this is all of these 15 women are, are an erva. So therefore, if any of these 15 women fall before the Yavam for Yibum, Yibum is illegal. Yibum can't be done. Now, I will say when Yibum can't be done, we're going to see there's no Yibum, there's no Chalitza. The relationship itself never gets started. Never gets started. So I will say, so all these 15 women can't do Yibum, and what we see from the Mishnah is because they can't do Yibum, who else can't do Yibum? Who else can't do Yibum? Their co-wives. So I will say, so in any of these situations where the brother passed away, and let's say again, the Erva wife, there are other wives over here also, just like the Erva is exempt from Yibum, so to what? Any of the co-wives, the Tsaros, and not only that, but even should one of the Tsaros do Yibum with another one of the surviving brothers, if that surviving brother passes away, so ultimately, again, that surviving brother's wives become prohibited to Yibum, to the original surviving brother, because they are called Tsaros the Tsaros. They are called the co-wives. Of course, Rebbe said that was table A. That was table A. Good. So say, so that's, that's, the Mishnah goes on. And ultimately, again, all of these women are exempt from Yibum, from Chalitza Ad Sofa Olam. Vekulam imesu omianu onisgarshu, oceaninsu islinis, sarosehen mutaros. I will say, now here's what's interesting. So, in all of these cases, the erva scenario is intact at the time that the deceased brother passes away. What if, for example, I will say, let, let's just use a very simple case. Let's use a very simple case. Let's go back to table A for just a moment. Right, just let's illustrate this with the easiest case. So we'll say the way we started this is remember again three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Reuven is married to two women, Rachel and Leah. And remember again, Rachel is Shimon's daughter. Right? Rachel is Shimon's daughter. So we'll say, so again, this was the simplest case. Reuven now passes away. Shimon can't do Yibum. And Shimon can't do Yibum with Rachel because ultimately again she is his daughter. And because he can't do Yibum with Rachel, he also can't do Yibum with Rachel's co-wife, Leah, because she's what's called Itzaras Erva. Right? She's the co-wife of an erva. So I will say, so here's what's interesting to note. What's interesting is as follows. Let's say in this same case, Ruvain divorced Rachel. Right? So, so Ruvain is alive. Well, that's the case over here. Mesu, right? So, or let's say, I will say, so let's say, for example, Rachel passed away. She predeceased Ruvain. Or Ruvain went ahead and divorced Rachel before his death. Or Rabosei, Mianu. So Mion Rabosei is the interesting, Mion literally means refusal. Mion is the interesting halacha, which is we know that a father has the biblical ability to marry off his minor daughter. And it actually creates biblical kiddushin. If there's no father in the picture, a brother, an older brother or a mother have the ability to marry off a daughter, a daughter slash a sister, but that marriage is only dirabanan. Because it's only dirabanan, it can be dissolved very easily through something called mion. All it requires is refusal. The idea that the Mishnah is highlighting over here, say something fascinating, which is, let's say halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, the marriage was dissolved prior to the death of Ruvain. So now I will say, in this case over here, just focusing on table A, Ruvain was married to someone who was an erva to his brother Shimon. But as opposed to when we started, Ruvain died and the Erva relationship was still intact. In this case, Ruvain divorced Rachel or Rachel passed away. So that at the time that Ruvain dies, he has no wife who is an Erva to Shimon. See, I will say what the Mishnah is saying is like this. You might have thought that maybe, maybe the Havamim is, maybe once Ruvain was married to a woman who is an Erva to Shimon, 
maybe that Erev status kind of permeates the marriage in its entirety, so that when Reuven passes away, Shimon still can't do Yibam with Leah, the remaining wife of Reuven, who's unrelated to Shimon. Who's unrelated to Shimon. Kamash Malam, the Mishnah says, We'll talk about that in just a moment. And we'll say, In a situation where Reuven divorced Rachel, Rachel died, Rachel did Mion and therefore dissolved the relationship, or Rachel was found to be an islandess. So we're going to talk about this. An islandess is a woman who is incapable of having children, but not just incapable of having children, never develops signs of physical maturation. In such a situation like that, we're going to see there's grounds for mekach tos in a marriage. Mekach tos, Rabbi means literally translated, right, a mistaken sale, right? When you enter into a transaction under a certain set of assumptions, and those assumptions turn out to have never been true. That's grounds often for the voiding, a tra- to voiding of a transaction. We're going to leave the islandness on the side right now. Rabbi said the point over here is, by the time that Ruvain dies, who's not in the picture? Using table A, who's not in the picture? Rachel. Right? Rachel's not in the picture. So in all of these situations, in that case, Sarosehen Mutaros. Ultimately, we'll say in this case, if Rachel's not in the picture, then the co-wives are permitted for Yibo. So we'll say it's kind of obvious once you say it, but it needs to be said, lest you think that essentially, once there's an erva in the marriage, it passes everything. No, the erva, what Mr. Sanchez is saying is the erva only poses a problem vis-a-vis Yibum when the erva marriage is in existence at the time of the death of the brother. But in this case, I'm just focusing on table A. In this case over here, when Rachel it was out of the picture prior to Ruvain's death, Shimon would be permitted to go ahead and do Yibum with Leah. However, Viata Yocholomar Bichamoso Ubeim Chamoso Ubeim Chamov. But of course, you can't really do this. You can't really say this in a case of ultimately one's mother in law, the mother of one's mother in law, and ultimately again, the mother of one's father in law, Sheninsa Islandis Oshemianu. But say, all the Mishnah is pointing out is we grouped all of these things together, right? If a woman predeceased, if the ever predeceased, or she did Mion, or she was divorced, or she was found to be an Islandist. Obviously, the case of one's mother-in-law, the mother of one's mother-in-law, and ultimately, again, the mother of one's father-in-law, you can't be an islandist in those cases, right? Because an islandist is a woman incapable of having children. Obviously, all of these women have already had children. So here's what's interesting. So we did a lot of the work of the Mishnah already. So the Mishnah is going to say, by the way, so let's go back for just a second. So now we've established the principle. What's the principle? There are 15 women who are arayos. 15 situations which when they come up, preclude yibum from happening. And when you can't do yibum, that inability to go ahead and do yibum affects Three people, right? Three, or three groups. Who are the three groups? Number one, number one, the erva herself. Number two, Sarah, her co-wife. And number three, Tsaros the Tsaros, co-wife of the co-wife, which I'm say ends up happening in a situation where one of the co-wives from the first marriage ends up doing Yibam with a secondary brother. If that secondary brother dies, so ultimately all of his wives are precluded from doing Yibam with the surviving brother who was brother number one in the original scenario. Again, I was like, that's why I keep referencing table A. Table A is, is a wonderful just pictorial display of this whole thing. So, say, so now what's interesting is that's how. So, that, that's, so we already laid that out. So Ketzad Potros saying So we'll say, so now, interestingly enough, after the Mishnah kind of lays out for us the 15 cases, it says, oh, by the way, how does this work? So here we go. Ketzad Potros saying What's an example? Haisabito o'achas mikola ha'arayo sa'elu nesuos la'achiv velo isha acheres umis kishim shebito petura kach tsarasa petura so we'll say, so let's just use this for Chazar now. Go back to table A. Let's just look at it once more and just look at it. So we'll say, see, here's the case. We're going we're gonna to get clarity on this. And I will say, remember again, all of the cases work the same. The mechanics is the same. The only thing that changes is the nature of the erva. So we'll say, what's the case? One more time. Right? Table A. Three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, Levi. Reuven's married to two women, Rachel and Leah. 
Rachel happens to be Shimon's daughter. So I'll say, so step one, step one is what happened. Reuven passes away. Reuven passes away. Obviously, again, so Shimon, Shimon's the oldest brother. We're going to say that again, Yibom is done initially by the oldest brother. Let's assume that for a moment. So what happens here? So Shimon can't do Yibom. Why can't Shimon, let's just go through this. Why can't Shimon do Yibom? Because Rachel is his daughter, right? Because one of the widows is his daughter. So halacha, therefore, halacha number one is once he can't do Yibum with one of the wives, then what? Can't do Yibum with any of the wives. That's the case of Tsaros. Beautiful. Kach Tsaros Petura. We'll say back to the Mishnah for just a moment. Halcha Tsaros Bito. Venas Venises La'achev Hasheni. Velo Isha Acheres. So we'll say, ah, now what happens? Still in table A. Go to the second section in table A. So what happens? So now Leah, Leah, the widow of Ruvain, does Yibum with Levi. Levi, the youngest brother. So now Levi does Yibum. So now Levi is married to Leah. Levi is married to Leah and to Miriam. And to Miriam. Umes, the Mishnah says, now what happens? Levi dies. Shabbos says, so now what happens? Shimon, the oldest brother, is still alive. And now again, Miriam and Leah... Miriam and Leah stand before him in Yibam. Now, are either of these women related to Shimon? No. Right? But what are they? Kishim Shetzaras Bito Remember again, let's dissect this a little bit. This is the last section in table A. Leah obviously can't do Yibam with Shimon. Why can't Leah do the Yibam with Shimon? Right? She was the co-wife of Shimon's daughter. Right? So Leah is already out of it from the beginning because Leah was the tzara. Leah was the co-wife or is the, uh, is the co-wife of Shimon's daughter. And not only that, therefore Miriam becomes precluded from Yibam as well. Why? Because Miriam is what we call the co-wife of the co-wife. She's the co-wife of Leah who was the co-wife of Rachel who was the daughter of Shimon. And therefore, again, they're all precluded from Yibam. Afilu heimea keitzad imesu tzaro sehen. So the Gemara says, kach tzaro tzaro sapatura. Vafilu heimea. So we'll say, ultimately, again, Rashi says over here, actually not yet. So Rashi says, I'm sorry, vafilu heim kuf achim vaholcha tzaro tzaro sashalbito finesiabna l'achav ashlishi falo isha acheres umes falo barim shtina. So we'll say, by the way, this case in number one, could go even if there are a hundred brothers. Otherwise, they're both saying, essentially, essentially, as long as one of the wives continues to be the co-wife of someone who is usher, right? She will continuously invalidate or preclude all of the future wives from doing yibum as well. What about the case? So, we'll say, so therefore, again, that's the illustration. And again, remember, as we saw, all of the 15 women pretty much fit into this same basic framework. Again, the relationships are a little bit different in each case, but the, but the mechanics are the same. But we'll say, well, what's the case? What's the case? And we'll say, what's the case where if the co-wife dies, the remaining wife becomes mutter to do yibum. So here we go. Go back up to, to, to just use the table A. Table A again. So just to illustrate in a different way. But we'll say same thing. Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Reuven's married to two women, Rachel and Leah. Rachel is the daughter of Shimon. Now we'll say, imagine in this situation what happens? Rachel died. Rachel died. Right? Rachel died before Reuven. Right? So Rachel died before Reuven. What happens? Now Reuven dies. Is Shimon allowed to do Yibam with Leah? And the answer is yes. Yes. Why? Because interestingly enough, the Erva situation is determined at the time of death. But because, again, Rachel was not in the picture, right? Whether she died, whether she was divorced, whether she did me on, whatever it is, doesn't make a difference. As long as she's not married to Reuven at the time of Reuven's death, then Reuven's surviving widow is permitted to do Yibam with Shimon. Incredible. So the Gemara says, So an interesting, an interesting final case in the Mishnah. So we'll say, let's go back. I mentioned Miyun. So remember again, Midar, right? So let's play this out. So let's say a man has a daughter. Let's say she's 11 years old because that's the age we're talking about. She's 11 years old. Father's allowed to marry her off. Right, father's, 
That's very rough. And ultimately, again, it becomes a biblical kiddushin. Let's say there's no father in the picture. Right? There's no father in the picture. Shabbos says, Salach Salachalamaisa, what happens? Salachalamaisa. So now the brother or the, the brother or the mother marries her off. So we'll say, so by the way, we'll talk about why why is that permitted, right? Where where does that right come from? That is a rabbinic right. Because we'll say, remember, from the Gemara's perspective, the best thing we could do for a young girl without a father is get her married. Right? That provides a level of stability and security for her. So Chazal wanted this, the mother and the brother to have this ability. But it is a, only a rabbinic marriage. So as opposed to when the father marries off his daughter, if she wants to get out of the marriage, she needs to get, in the case of rabbinic marriage, as affected by the brother or the mother, all she needs to do is mion, refusal. Which literally means she says, I want out. If she says, I want Anabosa, interestingly enough, she has, Miyun only works if she does it before she becomes an adult, right? If she waits till adulthood and remains in this marriage, the fact that she remains in the marriage during adulthood signals to us what? Her acquiescence to this relationship and it morphs into biblical marriage. We'll discuss this. But if she refuses the marriage before she becomes an adult, then halachalamaisa, the marriage is dissolved. So Abosa, here's an interesting case. What about any situation of Yechola Lemayin? Take a look at Rashi. V'chali Yechola Lemayin kigon, she'er v'ketana v'yechola Lemayin v'lo miyana, u'meis achiv, ho'il v'kidusha e'na elu medirabanan, v'zikas nefilasa medirabanan, e'na poteres sarasa minachalitza. We'll say, let's, let's go back to, to table A just one more time, because this is really a riveting case. So we'll say, same case, same case. Ruvain is married to Rachel and Leah, but Rachel, right, Rachel, let's call it Rachel, is not the daughter, but let's call it that Rachel is the sister of Shimon. Let's, write, let's call it Rachel is the sister. And it would have to be, again, a situation where, obviously, again, she's not the sister of Reuven, right? So both say, so now watch this case, watch this case. So what happens, Rachel's married to Reuven, and let's say Rachel was married off to Reuven as a kitano, right, as a, as a minor, by her mother or her brother. Right, by her mother or her brother. So they now have a rabbinic marriage. Ruvain passes away. So I will say, so now what's the problem? What's the problem? Is Shimon allowed to do Yibo? Now I will say, look, look at the fascinating complexity over here. On one hand, you're going to say, could Shimon do Yibo? Could Shimon do Yibo? Right? No, why? Because Mike said it's his sister. But his sister only has a rabbinic marriage to his now deceased brother. Yet, Leah has a biblical marriage to his now deceased brother. So I will say, so interestingly enough, the Mishnah says as follows, any situation where Mion is possible, but the Mion action has not been exercised, which means any situation where the Erva, the Erva is only in a Dirabanan marriage. So I will say, that is, isn't this fascinating? So you have an Erva, who's rabbinically, who was rabbinically married to the now deceased brother, and you have a co-wife who was, quote-unquote, biblically married to the now deceased brother. So, say, so what's the shayla? What's the shayla? Can a rabbinic marriage, can a rabbinic marriage go ahead and negate the biblical mitzvah of Eve? Now, I want to point out, remember, it's two different women. The rabbinic marriage is to one woman who is the erva, right? And the biblical marriage is to another woman who is not the erva. So what do you do in that kind of situation? Ultimately, Yibom is going to be illegal in such a situation like that. We will see. But ultimately, again, Chalitza will be required, which is really fascinating. Chalitza will be required by nature of the fact that the Erev marriage is only a Dirabana. So we'll say, take a look at Rashi once more. So in this case over here, the Erva wife, right? The Erva, the Erva widow, is a minor, and therefore, technically, again, she had the ability to do miyun and dissolve her, her marriage to her husband. And now, again, the brother passes away. Her kiddushin is only She can't go ahead and exempt her kawai from chalitza, 
right? Because Rabbi say at the end of the day, again, remember, the co-wife has a biblical marriage. The Kitana Erva only has a rabbinic marriage. But you also can't do Yibum. And we'll see why you can't do Yibum ultimately in the Gemara. So Rabbi say in that case, we mandate Chalitza, but no Yibum. say. Mazel tov. We just finished our first... I'm exhausted. Anxiety. We just finished our first Mishnah in Mesech HaSivamas. I will say, again, I do want to point out, the, the, these, this is the more complicated part of Yivamas. It's okay. We're getting, it, we're getting in front of it now. And I hope what you begin to see is that Halacha Lamais, again, even the complicated pieces, they're not complicated. There's just a lot of moving... In other words, there's nothing esoteric. I think... The Agarata, right, of Maisa Merkava, right, in Chagiga is a bit more complicated than this, right? This, right, this at the end of the day, it's a lot of people, right? A lot of people. So, okay, fine, let's see. The Gimara, Michti. So, we'll say, here we go. Michti. Let's analyze this. Kulu me'achos isha says, we're going to see, as we're going to see, the paradigmatic case, the paradigmatic case of ultimately, again, of Arayos, of an Erva relationship being Pater from Yibom. Right? The paradigmatic case is going to be the case of one's wife's sister, what we call Akos Isha, right? The sister of my wife. So the Gemara says, Listni Akos Isha Beresha. So we'll say what the Gemara is beginning with is questioning the order of the 15 women. Remember again, I will say, in our order, who did we start with? Bito, one's daughter. Why start with one's daughter? I would have thought, let's start with the paradigmatic example of Arayos, right? The case from which all other cases are learned, which we'll see in the Gemara is the case of Achos Ishto, one's wife's sister. Why do we start with Bito? To which the Gemara says, V'chi tana, tana, v'chi tema, tana chumri, chumri naket. Well, maybe you'll say that halacha lamaisa, maybe the Mishnah starts with the most chumradik cases, right? We start with the most severe cases first. Rabbi Shimon, he, and our Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Shimon, See, I the punishment for Arayos with one's daughter is Sreifa, is burning. And maybe what the Mishnah is doing is starting with the Arayos, which have the most severe punishments. And ultimately, again, it's Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that Halacha Lama Sreifa is the most severe of the Misos based in. So, if that's the case, if that's the case, then begin with the case of the mother-in-law. Because Rabbi say, interestingly enough, the first time Sreifa is mentioned is where? By one's mother-in-law, by Chamosa. Look at Rashi. So if you tell me that the reason you're starting with Bito is because we're starting with the most Chamer punishments, right? And the most Chamer punishment is Sreifa. Bito, right? Arise with one's daughter is Sreifa. But that's not the paradigmatic case of Sreifa. Torah teaches us Sreifa by mother-in-law. So why don't you begin the first case with mother-in-law? To which the Gemara says, The Ikr Sreifa Chamosu Ksiv Basar Chamosu Lisni Kaloso The Basar Sreifa Skila Furthermore, again, I will say, after the case of mother-in-law, you should put the case of daughter-in-law. Because I will say, if the Mishnah is listing the cases in order of severity of punishment, if we say the most severe punishment is Sreifa, under that is Skila. So therefore, we should have daughter, more surely we should have mother-in-law, daughter, and then after that, Kalaso, daughter-in-law. Debasa Sreifa, Skila, Chamura. So I will say, so again, so the Shaila, so we don't understand the order of the, order of the women in the Mishnah. Ella, Bito, Kevan de Asya Midrasha, Chavivale. To which the Gemara says, you're right. The truth is, the reason we begin with daughter is not because of severity of punishment. The reason we begin with daughter is ultimately because the case of a daughter of Osai is a case that's learned out from a drasha. It's not explicit in the Pasuk, it's learned through a drasha. And Abosai, Chazal always have a particular affinity for things learned out with a drasha. Because they will say, if it's a Pasuk, the Torah says it, if it's drasha, we have to toil for it. And Chazal always have a particular affinity for things you have to toil for. Rashi says, Kevan de Asya Midrasha, Le'asar alav chaviva le'letana, Va'aktum abreshu le'kama mefarshila. So we'll say, we'll stop, we'll stop over here for today. We'll say, I'll just end off with one beautiful, I have to have a little different hashkafa in the first half of Yivam. It's very quickly. So we'll say, I'll tell you something absolutely amazing. Shabbosai, the great the tzaddik, Rabzushev Anapoli, quoted in the name of Rav Shmelka of Nicholsburg. 
Shabbos say, just, just, I just want to tell you, just li- listen to this story very, very quickly. Shabbos say, Reb Zusha and Reb Shmelka are sitting down. They're sitting down to learn Mishnayis. And again, you know, so they just want to learn a Mishnah. So what do they decide to pull off the shelf? Yavamas. Yavamas. Right? They pull off Yavamas. V'eschilu lilmod Mishnah Rishonah Masechah's Yavamas. Chamesh esrei nashim potros tsaroseyen. V'tsaros tsaroseyen ad sofa olam. And how does the first Mishnah in Yavamas begin? There are 15 women. 15 women who exempt again, their, who, who are exempt, exempt their wives and their co-wives, co-wives forever. Sir Shmelko of Nicholsburg begins to go and explain the Mishnah. And Reb Zusha says, he stands up. Listen to this. The Hislahiv Harebi Reb Zusha. Reb Zusha stands up and he cries out, you're wrong. That's not the Pshat in the Mishnah. You want to know the Pshat in the Mishnah? I will say, here we go. Here's how you read the Mishnah. According to Reb Zusha the Anipoli. Chamesh Esrei. 15. I will say, what's Chamesh Esrei? Yud K. The numerical value of 15. Write the name of Hashem. Yud K. Chamesh Esrei. The name of Hashem. What's next? Noshim. Noshim is a contraction of two words. No shame. Ona Hashem. Ona Hashem. Right? So Chamesh Yisrei, Noshim is Ona Hashem. Please Hashem. And what do we ask for? Potros Tsaroseyem. Exempt us from our Tsaros. Says Rab Zusha of Anipoli. Do you want to know how to read the opening line in the Mishnah of Yivamis? Chamesh Esrei Noshim, Chamesh Esrei, please Hashem, Noshim, Ona Hashem, Ona Hashem, Potros Sarosena, Kadish Baruchu, take us out of our suffering, exempt us from our suffering, bring to an end this bitter Golos, and ultimately usher in the period of Geula. Shkai Chavosai.